0: Welcome to episode 5 of Aaron Calling
1: Oof. Johnny
0: 5 is alive <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I love that movie so much uh, For anyone who's just now tuning in uh, This is Aaron Calling, a podcast with two old friends Both named Aaron, talk about music Hi And this week, we are talking all about jazz
1: All that jazz All that jazz Before we get started, I have a very important question Okay here it comes. You ready? Yeah. Give me quickly your favorite era, Rod Stewart. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, this is tough. Not really. I'll, I'll tell you why in just a second, but go ahead. Okay. Real quick. Yep. Um,
0: like, what, I, maybe not my favorite era, but I love his voice, like on the Jeff Beck, the early Jeff Beck records, because it's nice. like super heavy guitar rock and then there's like this weird Rod Stewart voice that kind of floats in and you're like, oh, that works. Yes. Um, yes. But um, you know, what's the song like? Uh, Hearts be free tonight. That song. Oh, I love that there it is. song. And that's, that's mine. That's yours. And then my guy. I am always a sucker for forever young. <laughs>
1: I knew, I knew that would be in there. The way so, that
0: song comes in, I think there's like a piano or something. Like
1: the video with the kid, yeah. in the truck, the back of the truck with the red yep. hair.
0: Like it's yep. burned into my brain. Yeah, Rod, get out of my brain.
1: Yeah, I think there's like a there's like a weird love I have for like like first couple of solo record Rod worlds. Yep. Like every picture tells a story, mm-hmm. Rod. But. Man, young hearts be free it came on the radio at work the other day is why i thought of this oh, and i was nice. like i gotta i gotta surprise him with this question
0: well I'm when sure. i was managing okay um, that wasn't jazz when i was managing denova doll they covered that song and did a great job and pl- and it was so good live like they would get yeah. right into their live set and it, everyone <laughs> everyone loved it they were like because it's one of those songs you just forget about and it was like oh i forgot right. about how great this song was you know what I mean?
1: yeah when he I mean, does that it is really i mean it's just a stunningly good pop song yep Great song. Great song. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't jazzy at all. Actually, I guess it kind of was because we didn't play by the rules. So there you go. There you go. <laughs>
0: beep, 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 <laughs> Skip <Skib-a-dabba, dee-ba-dabba, bop>. it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just switched to another podcast, but so that's okay. They're <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God. they're scatting. Yes. Um, so so it's jazz a... on jazz, Coltrane's jazz. birthday.
1: I know, today's Coltrane's birthday. <laughs> Which we didn't plan at all. No. But it just happened. It was but meant to be. It was absolutely meant to be. It's also Bruce Springsteen's birthday. Yeah, watch out. That's I'm, that's a heavy I'm day.
0: In, I'm interested in how those correlations work. Do you know what I mean? Like what the? I mean, I guess it's just good odds because people are born every single day. But the idea right. that you know, you they're can both born on that know. day.
1: Right. Yeah, It's like, oh, that's
0: interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah. So happy birthday, John and and Bruce. Yeah, man two more american names that could never be <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday john and bruce john and bruce couple the happy couple <laughs>
0: um yeah so i think what we're going to do here is we're going to start with what's just sort of recent jazz buys and it's not yeah. like just in one sitting but kind of what we've what we've accumulated right. recently Um, and then talk about our favorite or like kind of the first albums that we bought that got us into jazz and then like our favorite doc jazz documentaries and jazz books. So I would say this, if you're a fan of jazz, I think you'll enjoy it. If you're not a fan of jazz, I think you should still listen because I was not a fan of jazz for many years. And then sort of as you ease into it, I think a lot of the stuff we'll talk about are good starting points. Yes. And uh, and then today's market of just being able to pull up anything and stream. If you haven't, if you've just been in a musical rut for a while, or you're just listening to the same thing over and over, and you need a little something to uh, to 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 put on, um, definitely a couple of these is a great starting point. So absolutely. So why don't we start with your list, which <laughs> is half of my computer screen. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I did. I did put it all in there. It's sh- a shot at all in that list. Um, I actually left out. Uh, reading back through, I was like, yeah, I didn't say this and that and the other. Whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't even know where to start. I guess mainly
0: start with the, start with the easy stuff. Yeah, yeah, work so... your way. Work your way into the <laughs> into outer space. Yeah. So <laughs> I see some the, things here.
1: The easy easy portion of the program. Definitely uh, Lee Morgan's The Sidewinder. Um, This record uh, in preparing for this call uh, I found out a little bit more than than I had known about this particular record. I got into this record because of uh, Stanton Moore who's a drummer um, from New Orleans who in like an instructional video thing used the beat for the sidewinder as like a way to introduce kind of the middle ground between jazz and what was turning into uh then known as rhythm and blues or rock and roll and like oh, cool. how billy higgins drum beat in that is like he's taking this some of the same ideas from like new orleans second line drumming and like inserting them into jazz. And then from there it gets taken another way. And then you kind of get rock and roll. That's a very condensed version of that history, but showing that beat to be like a thing that's like, it's fluid and it doesn't kind of, it sticks in your head as a hook because it's not your normal thing, which also, uh, led me to reading up more on the Sidewinder in general and it being kind of known as the first like quote unquote soul jazz record oh, yeah. um, which I didn't even know that before but which is just again a blending of soul and jazz and it was getting away from the like traditional jazz form and more uh, more soul elements were sliding in there Um Either way, it is a classic. Classic. Um, It is a great showcase for a lot of really great uh, players in their own right right, to do things differently. Um, And Lee Morgan is ridiculous and was like probably all of about 20. Yeah, (laughs) when they they made that record. Very young. Very young. Insane. Very young. Um, Which I didn't know until not giving too much away, one of our docs we both uh, have watched um, revealed just how young he was. Um, What else is pretty standard? Hank Crawford um, who was... I I got a couple of his later records, which are uh, We Got a Good Thing Going and Don't You Worry About a Thing. Those were on a label called Kudu. Kudu. Um, Which, (laughs) who knew the kudu? They were, uh, that was a subsidiary of CTI Creed Taylor International, I believe is what it was. Uh, Which a lot of my list is made up of CTI records. I'll get there in a second. Um, But Hank Crawford was one of the sax players in Ray Charles's band Mm. at one point. Um, and also a heavy, heavy uh, sax man in his own right without Charles and his world. He was just a great band leader. Um, And a lot of this stuff, a lot of the Kudu stuff is like later on in his career. It's like in the 70s and it's even more like one foot in the past, one foot in the present sort of thing. Um, There's some electric piano and stuff going on, but like he's not fully electrified and he's definitely leaning harder on like the blues side of things than some of these guys are. Uh, So it's it's a little bit more traditional, but it's really good. Just like sit down, listen to a jazz record. Yep. Kind of deal. Uh, The other one I got was the just this Atlantic Uh, double album thing. I think it was like all of five bucks. They did these for like any of their guys and gals who put out out, I think more than like four or five records. It's just called like The Art of and insert artist name here. And uh, This was The Art of Hank Crawford and it's a good overview of everything he did for Atlantic before he went to to Kudu. Um, What else? Let's see. Oh, The Modern Jazz Quartet. Uh Lonely Woman. Did you get a chance to listen to that? I have not listened to that one,
0: but I do have I have one of their records. I can yeah. spacing on which one.
1: Um they are like the I guess I guess it'd be fair to call them kind of the like uh <laughs> chamber classicists of jazz. They are like yeah. the smartest dudes in the room, probably. Yeah. Um go. and this is them taking on things that they normally didn't take on, like Lonely Woman" is an ornette Coleman song, ornette Coleman of free Jazz fame and yep. they take it and give it the modern jazz quartet uh treatment and it becomes like this beautiful song, and it is it's a great record um it's a striking. <laughs> cover because it's just this woman's face like almost out of focus completely because it's too zoomed in (laughs) um it almost she almost looks like a mannequin it's it's kind of creepy like the longer you look at it you're like i don't know what's happening and i'm terrified of this (laughs) um but uh it's really again it's really great uh the vibe work alone is worth the purchase (laughs) um they the modern jazz quartet is just outstanding and will always be one of my favorites. Um, but this is one that I had, I had read, I think about, but not really seen too much. And it it was another like $5, like, Hey, here's five bucks. Yeah. I think they just go into the radar because modern jazz quartet is such a
0: unexciting name you know what I mean right like, I don't know we played jazz or
1: quartet right. modern, modern <laughs> Is jazz this the quartet string cheese incident um yeah they like it's weird too because they weren't they were modern they were modern. <laughs> called the modern jazz quartet but most of their output was like very early <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true too so it's like it's very confusing like I remember as a young jazz uh Fan being like, I don't understand why this was recorded in like fifty five and it's modern ooh, like I didn't get it, whatever that yeah. was stupid um what else is uh normal here <laughs> before we go too far um I think that is kind of the super classic world, and then yeah. I got like I said, I got really heavy into the c t i world, which again is Creed Taylor, who originally founded Impulse Records. Right. Um, And then after Impulse and its strange financial world (laughs) kind of crumbled a little bit, he went and made CTI and then there was like four subsidiaries. Kudu was one of those and there was like three or four others. Um, CTI kind of became A place where, well, like on my list, Freddie Hubbard um, went there. This Joe Farrell quintet, which I've become a huge fan of. Um, Bob James famously is on CTI. This guy, Don Sebesky, who is kind of the arranger for all the lush string arrangements on all these records, which CTI was kind of known for. Yep. Um, you gotta, you gotta. What is up with the Don Sabeski album name here? <laughs> uh, the Rape of El Moro. Yeah. Um, I forgot to look up what exactly that was all about. <laughs> it's 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 in reference to, I believe, a a writing of some sort. Um Gotcha. It is a crazy. Uh it's a crazy record with a crazy album cover also. If you've never Yeah, I see it. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Um well that didn't help at all, did it? Nope. Uh it is Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Yeah, there's
0: nothing on it. <laughs> yeah. Nothing on it. What is it, um,
1: we'll just be like, oh the the yeah. it's so weird. But yeah. It all is, right. But That's it's cool. it is that one is like he he is like again he's the string ranger for all this stuff yeah and so like he is making it's kind of crazy he's like making his own records with like and cherry picking like <laughs> artists on CTI to help him yeah um so like basically when you read the the personnel on this record it's like an all-star jazz list <laughs> That's great of like everybody that you could ever want on a record and uh it's 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 kind of out there it's very operatic in scope there's like a there's like a lady who has some crazy ability to sing in multiple octaves (laughs) yeah (laughs) singing and doing this yelling thing it's it's kind of unnerving but it's really pretty at the same time i don't know it's weird Mm. um it's very cti and it's very like 70s jazz like Um, Bob James is on that record, I believe, and he is also known as he's like famously the guy that wrote the theme for Taxi. Um, and then, like, the thing you don't know until you really start digging into hip hop is that, like, a huge swath of beats and little hooks for like classic hip hop songs all came from. Bob James records,
0: huh.
1: which is that from the hot
0: dog record.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. he's the guy, no. right? Has all the weird food yep. album covers and everything. Yeah. He's got, he's got a hot dog. He's got a football. Everyone has
0: seen them because oh. they are, uh, they are a plenty in record stores. <laughs> yes. Like if you
1: go into the jazz section, you're going to find like 20 of each of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. which I never understand. I'm like, why, why do you guys keep just buying the same record? um, they're mainly from the first two which are titled 1 and 2.
0: Hey, <laughs> um,
1: what to go, Bob? But there's like Not a Not only he have like
0: a very normal name and like <laughs> how could I stand out? Um 1 <laughs> Hey Bob, um, what's that, what's the album two? Uh,
1: two. Yep. And then what's what's even better is like CTI went like all out on their their album art. So like yeah they're all gatefold records and they're yep. all like super glossy yeah. and like super thick stock covered. Like it's insane. I'm like, they went bankrupt in like 78, but then never even, they kept putting out records to like 84. Like it's so yeah. weird. I'm like, yeah, you went bankrupt. Cause you're spending like $8 billion on each record. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they probably got that left over from impulse. You know what I mean? That's right. the big impulse thing. So. Um, but yes, so the main the main story of my entire world here The theme the, the narrative ETI, if you will Yes is that I as a if I can help anybody who's like why do I care or where do I hop in on this jazz thing? I don't think right there is the place to hop in necessarily. Um I for me personally thought that kind of starting in the seventies, everything jazz wise kind of took a a nosedive. Yeah. Um, and like once it especially got, I think I just read the wrong thing or probably I just heard the wrong weird fusion record too early and got in my head that like, Oh, it all sounds like a weird return to forever record. And I don't want that now. <laughs> So as a as a younger man, I was like I don't understand all that. I barely understand the other stuff and but I like it, but this I can't like I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> yep. Um so the CTI thing is like me kind of rediscovering some of that like like and it's cheap. Like you can find these records for not a lot of money. There's only like a few of them like that Freddie Hubbard, Red Clay um, and like a couple of his other records for CTI um, that are like considered like super classics that like people like seek out Um, a lot of the other stuff is like people just either don't care or like they pressed eight bazillion copies and they're just out there. Yep. So they're just not a lot of money to be spent. So it's a good way to like start kind of like, like you said, like for me, it was like breaking out of the monotony. Like I can go and try and find all the cars records, RIP Rick, or I can, uh, find something that is getting exciting and new and new to me anyways. And, uh, search it out. So that's what I did. Um, what else? Then, then it gets wacky. (laughs) Then my list goes haywire, and I went into free jazz town, uh, kind of heavily. So I got a modern jazz. No, that's not Art Ensemble of Chicago, Toon Common, which is probably as far free as it goes. <laughs> um, as free as can be. Yeah, that is. It's pretty free. It's it's again. It's like if you're not into free jazz, I would. And you're looking to get into it, I would not maybe go there first. Maybe go to like Ornette Coleman, maybe, maybe. Um, I got one of his later records, Science Fiction, which is stellar. It is yep. so good. Um, I think I, I had it maybe like downloaded it from somebody. Somebody gave it to me electronically at some point, but I lost it and found one for cheap. I was like, yep, I'm snapping it up. Um, that was really great. Um, what else? I included a record by this band material on here. Uh one down. It is jazzy. I'll say jazzy because it's not necessarily jazz. It is it's a it's one of those weird anomaly records that happened in like the late 70s early 80s where like this record is it's like a Bill Laswell um Nile Rodgers, Tony Thompson who's the drummer in Chic with Nile Rodgers, Uh uh but he's only the drummer on part of it. The other drummer is this guy Yogi <laughs> Yogi Horton, <laughs> which is the greatest single greatest name ever. Yeah. Um he was like a Philly that Philly Sound world drummer who played drums weirdly with Bob James live later. Um he's on Part of it, and then famously, they do a song on there, which is like an old bluesy, jazzy song um, called "Memories," which features the first credited vocal by Whitney Houston. No, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, which Baby is really Whitney. great. Yeah, she was like, I think seventeen or eighteen, yeah. and like she, it is so good. Uh, I think Archie Shepp is plays sax on that song speaking of free jazz and it sounds like archie shep just walked in and was like i don't want to hear what you're playing i don't want to hear the song i'm just gonna play (laughs) it is the most insane sax sax to ever grace a song like a pop arranged song like it's like what on earth have you done archie um so yeah that is, I think that's a good synopsis. I mean, there's some Miles Davis I got in there. Nefertiti. Um, in a Silent Way, of course. Nefertiti is has always been one of my favorites of his uh, second great quintet. Um, because they flip on its head, like, who is the lead instruments or who are the lead instruments and who are the rhythm instruments. Like, they kind of change around who gets to change each tune. And so like the drums and bass start like being the leaders instead of the, the rhythm. And so it gets a little wacky and they're starting to really stretch out and like push against the form as it were. Um, And it's before they've gone electric and the whole thing. So like Herbie Hancock is in there who will feature prominently in my, my book discussion. Um, I found a couple of his records too. Uh, headhunters, of course, um, which I have on, I believe again, electronically. And this thing, uh, it's, it's just called Herbie Hancock sextant. Hmm. Um, (laughs) which is his band. It's called the Mwandishi band. Uh, uh, it's his band after he leaves miles and before it's like the world between the end of his miles days and before he resurfaces as the guy that everybody knows who did rocket. Yeah. The the big, the big eighties MTV Herbie Hancock. Uh, So he does all this stuff in the meantime, that literally still sounds like the future. Like it's, insane um and it's very exciting to hear because it's just like it doesn't sound like anything else um it's very much electronic it's not even electric jazz it's like crazy electronic like he is fully invested in like effects and like messing with stuff on the fly in the studio and like everything he ever learned from miles is in there including like all the like bitches brew like weird effects and all that stuff. It's all thrown in there, but then like turned up to 11 and like they get freaky deaky. Yeah. Um But it's really good. It's really, really good. And I don't know why, but it, it's like an era you don't ever hear about. I feel like I, I didn't know it existed until literally a month ago. Like I was like, what is this? <laughs> what yeah. is this weird word? And I was like, "Oh, this is the name that Herbie Hancock adopted when he made his new band." You're like, "Okay." And you start reading up on it, and you're like, "This is absolutely fascinating, but like I didn't know anything about this." And I don't know why it got kind of pushed aside because it sounds like what probably 50 different bands want to sound like now. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like boundary pushing to that extent, like you know, 30, 40 years on, it's like still ahead of its time. So um, yeah, I think that's probably it. Do you want me to should I go through the, the book thing now? Or we want to wait for that? <laughs> well, let's do book we'll do our books together. How does that sound? It sounds that sound, good. It sound I, yeah. cute.
0: Yeah, man. I think that sounds cute. Um I actually mine is kind of like uh it's it's not too much i mean one of the things that i've done recently is and i may have talked about this last time um but our the local store near me um always has a ton of jazz cds and so yes i'll always just sort of scan through them because they um they just don't get much jazz vinyl in and when they do it's usually like one day they had this I just saw it. It was a Love Supreme on the it wasn't even on the wall, sort of the thing, and I was like, Oh yeah. And I went and grabbed it and it was just beat to shreds, right. you know? Right. And like the store the guy in the store was like, Yeah, it's always a bummer. He's like, Yeah, you know, we always get excited when we see them, it, it's always a bummer when they're in this shape, you know. So yeah. um didn't need to pick that one up. But I always just kind of scanned through the CDs because i bought two cds there for three dollars each and they were both 20 percent off so right. <laughs> and they're just right. they're just fun to kind of put in it's just not much of a monetary investment you know and just to right. kind of see see what they are but um <clears throat> excuse me yes. um the two that i bought re- most recently on cd were chick Corea albums which is uh funny for some reason i don't know why yeah. i just never really imagined i'd be into chick korea but um <laughs> right the first the first one i really 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 liked and it surprised me it's called further explorations and it's a two disc live cd set and just looking at the cover it looked almost like a i don't know it just looked um it's like ecm uh is that the label name i'm yep. totally, totally blanking on it, it just kind of looked like one of those oddball kind of out there releases but then it turned out it was Chick Eddie Gomez, and Pete Motion. And uh, I believe I'm saying that Eddie. right. And um, so Pete and Eddie both played with Bill Evans. And then I yep. guess Chick was like a Bill Evans disciple for obvious reasons, since he's a keyboardist or uh-huh. piano player. And uh, anyway, this is like a two-disc live set from... Um, blue note in new york it's recorded over like a couple weeks and they they put all this music in there and it's basically like inspired by bill evans so they play some bill evans but even on that they go kind of off in their own thing you know and do their own uh you know their their own interpretations i guess of his songs
1: and it's just really
0: nice and laid back you know (laughs) it's just a trio like you know just like you can put it on the background and it's really great Um, and I've really, really enjoyed that one. In fact, I was listening to it yesterday. The flip side to that is I got Chick Cree and John (laughs) McLaughlin's two disc, another two (laughs) disc CD set. This one's called five piece band Mm -hmm. piece being P E A C E.
1: And it is
0: free jazz all the way, man. I mean, it is, I was playing it one day and, uh, you know, one of, one of my boys walked through the kitchen and he was like. Well, that guy's really wearing out that saxophone. (laughs) (laughs) And I I put, like, I I have, like, a five-disc CD changer in that room. So I just put the first disc in, then it went on to the second one. And about halfway to the second one, I was like, oof. (laughs) I just turned off. (laughs) I was like, oh, like, my brain needs to get realigned. I just can't, you know, I wasn't even really sitting and listening to it. It was just on in the background while we were moving some stuff. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot. Um, (laughs) And it was a live show, right? So I was joking with with the boys, I was like, imagine being at that show. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like halfway through the second set being like, Oh man, my ears are melting. but um, <laughs> but you know, fun little, like couple little uh, CDs I picked up and then the, the record stuff. I haven't really found much in, in Nashville recently, but um, in, uh, in Cincinnati or in right outside Cincinnati, a great store called plaid room. I found a, a great, great copies of Herbie Hancock's taken off. Um mm-hmm. so I think that's his first solo LP if I remember correctly. Um yes. maybe wrong on that. But um Herbie Hancock's taken Off is like a great place to start I think for jazz people because uh the first song Watermelon Man is sort of uh um it's just real like rhythmic and kind of repetitive but like in an interesting way, you know, like kind of keeps you locked in. You kind of groove to it a little bit and yep. um so that uh, that was like a really great early blue note pressing. So super excited to find that. And then I also found um, to say what you also did was I found a copy of Miles Davis's In a Silent Way, which uh-huh. I'm just sort of obsessed with that record because you can kind of see where he's about to go in terms of like jazz fusion, you know, and like yep. my understanding is like they literally would like cut the tape. So like what you hear on the album are different takes just Edited together, and like yeah. that was sort of another way of taking sort of a jazzy look at the way to record instead of saying right. we're just going to play this from beginning to end. We're going to do a bunch of different cuts and then edit it together. Which you're you're thinking they're cutting tape back in those days, obviously, mm-hmm. right? So the way they're able to do that in transition in between songs, you know, where it's kind of going from loud to like it kind of drops off and builds back up, it's really fascinating. I. I found yeah. that totally interesting and not something I really was aware of before I had kind of... Um, I actually found a CD of that at like Goodwill and just picked it up yeah. on. And then I got obsessed <laughs> with it. And I was like, gotta keep my eye out for the LP. And yeah. uh, love, love, love that one. Have um, you heard uh, Miles in the Sky? Yes. I yeah. have. So I have that. I've actually... Oh, I forgot to put that on here. But I actually bought uh, the CD copy of that as well yeah. at a yeah. record store. Because, um, again, like... Brand new remastered, right. you know, CD for four bucks from Miles Davis. I'm like, man, I remember being in Tower right. wanting to buy these, and they were all like eighteen dollars. And now yep. I'm sort of like, oh, they can all be mine for like you know hardly anything.
1: So, right, love that record t- or love that one too. It's that one, one, yeah, that one's. I feel like that. It's so funny because you go through that whole his whole catalog or like his whole like post kind of blue I guess catalog yeah. and you like you start like seeing where he's pushing and but then like there's moments where you're like well this is definitely the spot where they're like you can see what's coming next but then you like listen to the next track you're like nope nope yep. this is this is the area where they're actually doing the thing and and I feel like miles in the sky was like that one for me like I'd listened to all the other things and like that one was like I was unaware of it, really, and then like, yep. oh, let me let me see what this is, and then listen to it was like, whoa, like this yeah. is actually this actually somehow seems closer to the jumping off point than anything else, you know. So yep, he has a new Good.
0: documentary out that is just now showing at the Bell Court here in Nashville, and I think it's open this week. So I really want to, really, really want to try to check that out. Um, yeah. Um, I also got two Donald Byrd LPs, Blackbird and Street Lady, and um, love them both. I mean, I, Bird there's, there's is ridiculous. not too much to say. The um, you just got one recently that I've been looking for. Um,
1: I'm spacing on the name of it. Uh, uh, Donald Byrd. Yeah. Uh, is Isn't it you? stepping in tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 That's another one of those like that. That again, it's like those of those records that I I feel like I didn't – I never would have thought that I would have been like, yeah, those are cool. But now I'm like, man, these are like amazing little shots of like where these other guys were going. Yeah. Because like you you can get easily bogged down in jazz with like the heavies. Yeah. And then they're not even like second tier. Like these guys all played in those guys' bands. Like they're just as good, but you just don't hear about – Unless you're like a real big jazz head, you're not like, oh man, I'm a Freddie Hubbard dude. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. Yeah. But those guys are just as good and their records, their output is just as great.
0: Yeah. Um, the only other two things I got, I I think I've talked about the return to forever LP uh, last week, which is more Chick Korea, which, <laughs> which uh, I found yeah. like literally two days after we talked about. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I mean it's like, it's out days. there but it's it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, and then um Cannonball Adderley Quintet, um, Accent mm-hmm. on Africa, which I think I've also mentioned yep. on here as well. Um, From my thought when I bought it was, ooh, like Accent on Africa. It's not as like rhythmically uh, what I would consider like African, I guess. But, you know, the, yeah. the influencer is definitely there and he's invented some crazy instrument that he plays on there um, that he writes about on the back and I'm spacing on what it is right now, but it's a good um, it's, it's a, it's a good one. It's not one I've seen uh, ever really. So I just picked it up and and gave it a shot and it was great. So I was excited about it. Fun. My, my thing is too. like, I, you know, like jazz stuff, you got to be careful because it's like, especially if you're buying records, like it's such a slippery slope, do you know what I mean? And you can end up spending, you know uh like for instance there's a guy in tampa every time we go vacation down there um it's not not actually in tampa it's like um you know like 45 minutes outside of tampa and um he's got this store and you could tell he's retired doesn't care you know like he just sits there and plays music all day it's like this is probably his tax write-off i don't know but like (laughs) he has like original like blue note pressings you know and right. like he's selling kind of blue for like four hundred dollars do you know what i mean yeah, and yeah. every time i go in there which is about once a year or even a year and a half, two years <laughs> it's still sitting there on the shelf right. you know what i mean so yeah you can overpay for some of this stuff i try not to right. do that just because i enjoy picking it up too much you know what i mean that i i've, right. I've easily walked away from you know the collectible jazz versions if you will um, yep. because i'd rather I don't know i'm just a fan of getting i guess more for my money um yeah. and um you yeah. know but if i if i if money was no object <laughs> right right i could see why it would be uh, how you could get caught up in all these crazy co- collections like i think i read that like kind of blue there was a misprint right. on the um label. You know, and that caught co- in the first, however many copies, right. not many. And I think you know now those are like insanely collectible. You know, like, whoo yeah. it's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous place. But the impulse stuff, whenever I see it, I almost usually I always pick it up, and I'm not too picky about it if it's stereo or mono or whatever. You know, like, yeah. again, if it's priced right, and it, I just love those glossy gatefold. You put all the orange spines together. It's right. just
1: addicting as anything. It is. It is very... <laughs> I mean, I have... From when I first got into, like, Coltrane, like, they were just putting the CD versions out in those, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. replica deals. And I have, like, I have a this bunch. Huge swath of that. And it's just it's like, every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, it looks real good. Me too. Years <laughs> ago, kind of
0: when 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 iTunes supposedly was going to save us all we were all going to be able to like rip our CDs right. and live with that forever and now iTunes won't even let you keep what you you know bought or ripped <laughs> anymore um but and right. that was like 2 years ago i don't know but um yeah uh i kind of went through CDs and i started like kind of being like ah there's a lot of these i don't need you know but yeah. when i hit the cold train section with all those orange spines i was like nope and like set yeah. those and i still just have them sitting yeah. there and and that's when i got really those CDs are all the later stuff. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that that's all the you know Ascension and Meditations. And all, <laughs> all you know the whoa. Yes. I don't know where yes. we're going here, but but yeah you know, yeah. But I think it's a good transition, like kind of how we got into, like kind of what our first jazz purchases were. I always find this interesting to sort of ask people that are big jazz fans, like kind of what 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 got you into it, what what kept What was the first thing that you
1: bought that didn't turn you off so quickly? You thought, I kind of want to go down this road. So, Right. Um, I guess for me, uh, I remember, I think my my quick answer before has been, oh, it was kind of blue or whatever. But I was thinking about this today, and that was actually, I think my dad had that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I think he got it at some point. Like it was like a CD reissue or something, and he got yep. it. Um and then as we were sitting here just talking, I, I thought back even further, and I was like, wait, hold up. I actually bought a, a uh Naked City which oh, is John's Lauren affiliated <laughs> record back in mm. high school because my, my my bandmate at that moment in my life, who was like two years older than me, Steve Abercrombie, he had turned me on to like the John Zorn, like free Mm -hmm. freak out world. And it was like this weird, like metal. It was like everything in the world mashed into like 30 seconds of music. And it changed every 30 seconds. And it, my sugar and uh, adrenaline, teenage brain was, like, totally all about that. <laughs> I so think I remember I just, you
0: and I listening to that, like, freshman year of college. You mean, like, you ever heard yeah. this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like a punk kid. And you're like, oh, I'm like whoa. Yeah, it was because <laughs> it was just, on. it just
1: blew. Cats I mean, start running by the dorm room yelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just blew. It blew my mind. I mean, out of that, I, you know, I discovered Mr. Bungle and that whole thing and, like, that became an obsession. So, I mean, I guess technically that would have been the very first thing that I bought that was quote unquote jazz. Um, The one that stuck with me, the one that like turned me on and sent me down the, (laughs) the path was a love Supreme. Um, It was like, it's one of the rare moments I can remember like going, to a record store, putting a CD in like the listening station, and like thirty seconds of music was on, and I was like, "Yep, I'm buying that," and yeah. got to go, um, and like just actively like listening to it, like what on earth yeah. is like happening, and like it just it is one of those that like captures your imagination because you're like, I don't understand, I don't understand it, but I want to understand it, and I want to like get inside it and figure out how it works and like, does it work or did it not? I don't, are they angry with each other? Do they love each other? Do they, <laughs> how did they make this? You know? Cause at the time I didn't understand the musical components of how it was all put together. So you're just like, I don't, I don't know. It just sounds like some dudes in a room, like banging away at stuff and like some guy blowing into a horn and he sounds like he's trying to like exercise some demons or something. I'm not sure what's happening. It could be terrifying. It could be beautiful. I'm not completely sure. Um, and I think right after that, I bought Live at Birdland, yeah, um, which didn't help my confusion at all. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> but it did like that record connected at, in in a weird way. It connected more because it sounded. And I think this is the thing about Coltrane. I think people who like who are into like punk rock and things like there is a, there's like a raw, like emotional energy that is in that music that if you're into like a very raw form already, like you can kind of like draw the line between the two and be like, yes, I understand that. That is like the feeling of release musically. (laughs) And like, I understood, like, when Afro Blue comes in and then it's just like Elvin is just off to the races and it's like all cymbals and drums and sax and you're just like, what is going on? It's also just like, yeah, I know what's going on here. Like, they're just letting it out. (laughs) But that was the... So I love Supreme, followed closely by Live at Birdland, but the very first one was Naked City, so... That's hilarious. Yeah, it kind of prepped me for, like free 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 land (laughs) no kidding
0: (laughs) yeah i mean mine were like it's interesting because and you know this like if you talk music with people usually like you've run into someone that has um you know whether it be like an older brother or like ai don't i don't know like a it's usually an older brother right or even an older sister a lot of times and they're you know um they're sort of passing along their records or what what have you, but, like, I had none of that. Like, I had nothing. So, for me, yeah. like, it was always just taking insane risks on things and being, mm-hmm. like, I don't know where I would learn about it. This is obviously pre-internet, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, you just didn't really know, but my, <laughs> mine is, like, <laughs> as same as you, it's, like, a Love Supreme and kind of blue, but... <laughs> It, i literally picked them out of the columbia house music like catalog because we like the I little was stamp so, yeah, yeah <laughs> oh man i forgot about the stamp but yeah like i think i had like a certain number of records i could get like as part yep. of my membership or whatever and um and i was just sort of burned out on everything i had and i was like i really want to listen to jazz you know like i'm like what? Yeah. i don't even know like i'm like a sophomore or, maybe a junior in high school, like, I don't know what's going on and I know where to start. And so obviously a, a catalog like Columbia house, but I mean, you could, you know, you got the little book, right. And like you could go through and you could read like one or two sentences on each album, you know, and it would be like, Ooh, that sounds interesting. And so I ordered them both and I'm glad I did because that was going to be the entrant you know, the, the entry for me into, yeah. you know, sort of figuring everything out. And they're they're a perfect place for someone to start who's like never listened to jazz, especially Miles Davis is kind of blue because it that's yeah. what that's what it was, right? It was sort of like this perfect new sort of sound they're both like new, right? They're both like yeah. things that things that people had never done before, which is funny because, you know, <laughs> now they right. seem so normal. It's like kind of pedestrian, <laughs> but they were so out of out of step so to speak at the time and um but they're easily digestible for now like you can you can stay with it nothing goes too too off the rails like you can really kind of just i don't know i mean there's books just books written about the whole albums you know the way they were recorded (laughs) and like one time one time you and i are just going to do a kind of blue episode because i've nerded out on that album a lot in the last year and um you know it you can just get like lost in all of this, you know, in, in both of those records in a good way. Yeah. And it was easy for me just to pop the C D in and immediately start playing it and I could sit there and focus on it. There were yep. no distractions, there were no phones, you know, unless somebody called me and I'd get up and go to the other room and answer it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like yep. you just put it on and, and could totally digest it. And um, so I'm I'm never really one to brag about my first two, but I always think it's funny that they sort of came through that way but man i remember getting them even the cd versions just being like you know blown away but the impulse was always sort of the cardboard you know um gatefold cd even at the time which yeah. I thought was crazy you know and that, that album <laughs> art on the front i mean it's just so great like everything yeah. about them so yeah that that was kind of it for me too so i would yeah. imagine
1: a lot of people would say that but um yeah i mean they're like you know probably the two i think they maybe are the two two biggest selling jazz albums of all time um, i would think very high up like, there yeah there's like, probably a kenny g album that beat them right. Up, unfortunately <laughs> right which i should i should probably put a disclaimer up about my cti love album. like creta also responsible for 90s smooth jazz so <laughs> it's not all good to pass gotta make point. that money man gotta but, make that money there is a point where you're listening to like what is going to become hip hop basically so yep. that's, that's the true. important part that's the thing to remember here kids um but yeah i think you know they are they are that enduring for a, a reason you know they're, yeah. they they there's something that everybody i feel like everybody could can like latch on to some piece of either or both of yep. those records as different as they are from each other and be like man i really i don't know about jazz but i know about these two and these two really resonate you know
0: there's a movie that came out too when i was in like late high school early college and i can't remember the name of it i'm having one of those days where nothing i can't recall anything yep um it's one of those movies it's like it was black and white it was kind of like it was black and white and then as the kids sort of were promiscuous. They turned into color. I don't know if you. Oh, Smallville, that movie. right? Smallville, right? Or Smallville, something like that. Is that something, right? something along that lines, right? So yeah. I remember watching this movie, and I had, you know, I'd had kind of blue for a little while, and and there's a scene where um they they use that in the soundtrack and i instantly knew what it was and i felt so proud of myself i was like oh i recognize that song you know what i mean right so, <laughs> and, uh, that's funny
1: wait smallville uh, swears like superman's from isn't it <laughs> yeah so it's not smallville it's something like <laughs> whatever that. Yeah. yeah this totally isn't a movie it. podcast what are we doing yeah, yeah. pleasantville um, maybe it's pleasantville
0: pleasantville ah, something like go. that that's yeah. good
1: good that sounds good um but speaking of movies uh, yeah, maybe Here we, we can
0: go. go through our our quick documentaries real quick. Yeah,
1: um, let's see, Docu Town. Um, well, for sure, I think you and I have both seen. I called him Morgan. Yes, uh, which is about Lee Morgan, but it's also about his wife, who shot him and killed him. Yes, and uh, what led to that? But it's really just. A, kind of an overview it's a really cool like overview of uh the jazz culture and scene through one of its most important figures which is Lee Morgan and his wife really because she was like this fixture for so many of those musicians you kind of yep. like learn that through their stories of her yeah um which was really cool like it's not it's not like a condemning thing of like she killed him and she's terrible and she's a horrible person. It's like this like kind of endearing portrait of her as like this nurturer
0: up yeah. to this point.
1: Yeah, <laughs> And then you're like, oh, wow, that, that got serious quick.
0: Um, it, it perfectly sums up that whole era because it's got everything from like how hard you had to work to get started, how you had to be picked by a bigger band and play with them. Then you right. kind of went on on your own. Then you got famous. Then you got on heroin. Then you had to <laughs> kick heroin. And right. somewhere in between, you may have met someone that would help you. And then that person sort of becomes your significant other. And then as you start to gain success again, you know, something goes wrong again, right? And you, right. and we lose someone way too soon. And it's right. such a common theme in jazz that yeah. it's, it's almost like a textbook um, like experience for these guys, which is kind of crazy. But yeah. the way they put it together – um you know i mean speaking of two guys that want to do a podcast or whatever you've got a guy that just stumbles on this woman and just hits play on a a tape recorder and she just tells the whole story before she passes away is 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 something that like you know you always want to think of from a documentary standpoint you always want to be like i should be capturing this do you know what i mean right and and the fact that he he had the wherewithal to do that is so great, and that—that's what drives the documentary. And it's so well put together. And I saw it on Netflix, so I imagine it's probably yeah. still on there. But I think it probably won't be on there too, too much longer. So, if you, yeah. It, regardless of what you think about it, w- what your musical tastes are, it's a great, um, Jasmine. You know, or it's a great documentary on just a musician and and uh, you know the ups and downs that come along with that. I'll say
1: that. Right. Um, I think the other one that we've both seen, Chasing Train. Yes. Which is that I mean, one. Which is also on Netflix. Yeah. Um, easy to watch. Uh yeah. that one is a great uh just a great overview of how he evolved into who he was. It has a lot of like archival footage that People, I think, at the time it came out, had not seen like mm-hmm. a lot of like family stuff. So it like kind of humanizes him in a way where instead of like a lot of this stuff like deifies him and like he's like, you know, he he never touched the ground when he walked because he was floating with God or whatever. And it's like, yep. yeah, he was a dude. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a dude. I'm pretty sure he would probably tell you, no, I'm just a dude playing a horn. And I'm just trying to do a thing. Like, let's calm down, you know. Like you see pictures of him playing with a dog in like a robe. Like yep. it's it's like it brings some, I feel like some needed like levity into like, okay, he was just a human being.
0: <laughs> well, it also does a great job of first of all, Denzel Washington narrates it. So yes. it's just, you know, anybody can watch it and just be just be like soothed <laughs> by his voice. Right. But secondly, I think it goes to show like how how hard he worked so when he just quit heroin cold turkey he just went upstairs you know he told his wife i may have had a kid by then i'm not sure but um he's like i'm just gonna go practice and that's what he did all day long he just practiced you know what i mean and um just i mean you know if you don't if you know nothing about john coltrane that's the perfect place to start and it's entertaining it's um you know, just like the Lee Morgan, there's a wonderful narrative and a great story to follow and it's visually yep. appealing. And like I said, Denzel Washington narrating it and you can stay with the whole thing really well. And um, I mean, you get so much before you hit a love supreme that you're like, Oh right. man, when are we gonna get to a love supreme? And then right. it
1: just and then it's all in and you're like, This is awesome. So Yes. Um Yeah, I I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed watching that one. I also thoroughly enjoyed watching, I don't know if you have seen this one or not, but there was uh, an American Masters, which is a show on PBS. Uh, They did an episode. This was, it has been like 10, 15 years ago now. It's kind of old in movie speak. Um, It's called The World According to John Coltrane. And it is, it, it's kind of the other side of, of chasing train. Um, I kind of feel like chasing train is sort of answering a little bit of this because this is more like other musicians that either played with or were affected by what he did kind of talking about that. And so it's, it's less of like his life story, world view and more of just like, The music, yeah, and like so you get like Roscoe Mitchell, who is Art Ensemble of Chicago guy, like talking about how you know Coltrane made it okay to be like absolutely one hundred and twenty-five percent free, and like what that meant to him, and then what he did with it later, and how it like opened up his his whole world to like oh I can play. I don't have to just play on tenor or alto. I can play on soprano. And if I do, then I can do this thing with that and make this happen and that happen. And it's just really, it's a little bit more musically heady, but yep. it, it never loses you. Like they're not just putting up, you know, uh, like charts on TV. <laughs> like here's a chart for blah, blah, blah. It's like, they actually explain everything. And like, there's some really cool, like live footage of him with Dolphy in Europe and, and, stuff like that so it's also really good um and then i think i added on at the end uh the exhaustive uh ken burns jazz yeah which is i
0: realized that very long
1: to um
0: i'm saving all of ken burns documentaries for when i retire
1: You know, the country fair. one's
0: going right now, and it's great. But yeah. Like it's sixteen and a half hours long. Like, right? I just I don't know when I have sixteen and a half hours. So one when, when I'm retired, I'm gonna I'll start with baseball and get through. I tried starting the Vietnam <laughs> one. You know, the the, the the problem is, is like Oof. it takes so long just to get to the stuff. Like the history is so in depth that at some yeah. point you're almost like, man, I don't know anything. And you kind, it's right. like, <laughs> you know, it's almost like, I don't know. Like you know, I love them but like yes. i wish sometimes it was a little bit like they're tying in i don't know like more modern stuff so that you're kind yeah. of following it yeah. a little bit better yeah. and it's kind of dabbling with some stuff as, as opposed to just being like oh man you know so but yeah, yeah that's on but... my it's on my list i'm just going to put them all in like a box and just for when i retire and then i'll be <laughs> like oh yeah i'm just going to watch all these so
1: the fun part at some point i remember watching it when it was originally aired and that's the thing with before kids, there was a thing before streaming. Yeah. If you haven't heard of it, it was just called television and you were at the mercy of whatever was programmed, especially in PBS. You hadn't, there was no seeming rhyme or reason to what got played when or whatever. You just looked up the schedule and like, yep, that's cool. If a Ken Burns doc came out, it pretty, they, they either did it, once a week or like maybe a couple episodes a week. So like maybe like on Sunday and like Friday, you'd get an episode or whatever. But while it was running, I remember catching it and it was nice because like, if there was a part, you know, you weren't totally like, I don't want to know about twenties jazz or whatever. I want to know about Coltrane or post bop or hard bop or whatever. You could find that one and, and, wait for that one and then yeah. you're like, okay, here's my three hour fix of post bop yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, but if you have a chance and you you want to know the history, like the heavy history of the whole shebang, um, yeah. it's there. <laughs> well, I think, I think that kind of brings us too, to
0: like some of the books, um, that we were kind of throwing back around because yep. one of the books, um that i really really enjoyed reading is just simply called uh how to listen to jazz uh by yep. ted i think it's goya maybe it's g i o i a if you just google how to listen to jazz and mm-hmm. it'll pop up uh, amazon or whatever great little short book i mean i think it's short it's only a couple hundred pages and yep. it does a great job of sort of just starting at the beginning like as far as like new orleans goes and just sort of explaining structures and blues and, you know, how things are arranged and, um, you know, just kind of helps you like, even, I mean, I've listened to it for years and I just read this earlier, earlier this year. And I thought this would be kind of a fun read, you know, and yeah. there's things in there that as I'm not a musician, so I'm like, Oh, cool. Like it kind of helps break that down in a way. So when you're listening, you can kind of piece that back together. I highly, highly, highly recommend that book. And it gives a lot of, historical overview like one of those really long documentaries would that that yeah. catches you up really, really fast, you know? Awesome. Um, what else you got uh, book-wise? The other one is, well, I believe, um, so Ashley Kahn has written books on both um, Kind of Blue and A Love Supreme, and I've read them both. Yeah. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend A Kind of Blue because um and again, I think we should just do like a whole episode on it. Some of the stuff that I learned about that <laughs> through that book um was just fascinating. Um yeah. a great, great read. Um, and then so here's one that I went out on a limb on. Yeah, you know this because you and I used to do this to bookstores, just kind of peruse and be like, <laughs> well no, I'll try this, you know. Yep. Um, um so I picked up this book. This this is the title, okay? <laughs> the Jazz of Physics. The Secret Link. The Secret Link Between Music and the Structure of the Universe. Oh. By Stefan Alexander, who is a a physicist and musician, jazz musician. Sweet lord. And I'm just going to put it this way it was a lot more physics than he said it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I powered through. And he ties it in, in somewhat interestingly. I mean, his whole his whole idea is, you know, it's sort of like the idea of, like, you know, the structure of jazz. Like, is the universe sort of structured in the same way? And yeah. he, he kind of ties it back and forth. But he also gets if, – if you're – I thought about, like, giving this to my father-in-law because he, I think, has a degree in physics or whatever and is a yeah. musician a music nut he would probably it would probably be right up his alley right because he'll yeah. kind of grasp some of those bigger concepts in the world of physics but <laughs> and not to just belabor this coltrane thing but um and you can probably speak to this better but coltrane sort of drew out a map of how all the chords are um linked um yes uh, like by fifths maybe or some the law of fifths yep. or i, I maybe make circle that up. of fifths Circle Fist, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he has a whole kind of, like, section on that, which was really, really, really fascinating um, from yes. a physics standpoint and how that works. Um, I would not recommend that book to anyone that's just a l- layperson. But <laughs> if you're super into science and music, great, it's a great, great read. Um, and I'd be happy just to give you my copy. <laughs> no, I think I'll hang <laughs> up with it. So no. <laughs> but that, that's kind of been it for now. Like um, Ted, uh, Ted Goya, that's how you say it, he's written a yep. ton of books on jazz and uh, I'm, I'm interested in picking up some more, you know, if and when I find those, but um, sure. great, great stuff. I also have a whole book on just uh, Coltrane and the story of Impulse Records, which is I've started and I just right. haven't finished it. Um, um, that's, that was a great one too. So yeah, I mean, whenever, like if I'm out and about and I just find like an interesting book on jazz, I usually just pick it up, you know, and eventually yeah. kind of work my way into
1: it. So Yep, yeah, um, I think uh, I definitely love Supreme. The Ashley Kahn yep. book uh, was huge. I just bought uh, the uh, Both Directions at Once album, which was the quote-unquote lost album yep. um, of Coltrane's oh, Ashley Kahn. Oh, it's great. So also great. did liner notes, like yep. heavy, heavy liner notes for that one. Yep. Um, so it's, it's really good. I actually think there's a diagram of that. Uh, Coltrane's chordal craziness in the copy that I have. I don't know if it's in all of them, it's in the like deluxe guy or whatever, but there's a couple of different drawings. And I think one of them is his, the thing that you're referencing, (laughs) how they're all connected. Yeah. It's a little wacky. Um, Currently, I'm reading this book, You'll Know When You Get There by Bob Gluck, who is a, a historian and a uh a pianist who this is about the the era of Herbie Hancock's career that I was talking about the Mon band yep um i definitely sort of like your physics book i would i would hesitate to say anybody should read this book because it is heavy on the technical uh musical things um it's it reads very much like a school book in in sections but it's very interesting just because there's a lot of interview quotes and things from the band members themselves talking either contemporaneously or a little bit later talking about the era and that's always fun for me to like read this like because sometimes it gets like really blown out and like hyperbolic and they're just like yes, like we were floating on air while we played and (laughs) I couldn't even walk after we got done. And, Oh, you know, you're like, did that really happen? Or are they just, is this like how you felt, you know, either way, it's fascinating. Um, you also get a very very real appreciation for just how much of a hard worker and ridiculous musician Herbie Hancock is. Um, he is, insane like his brain is just like insane uh and the records that are made during that period definitely show that like he was just willing to like really stretch out and get get funky and weird and it was where he wanted to go and he found like minds and they all went there and it's the music's great the book's great it's just a it's just a little bit of a a stretch for like light reading. <laughs> you gotta really want to know about Herbie Hancock when you get in there. Um Visions of Jazz by Gary Giddens, uh who is a uh renowned jazz critic. This is is like a compilation of his like reviews and criticisms and writings from, as he says, the first century of jazz. Um so there's like famous stuff that he wrote about Coltrane for Downbeat or other magazines or like, you know, whatever. He he basically covered everybody at some point and all of the big records are pretty much in there. Um and some of it is him, you know, totally bashing somebody for like stretching too far out or whatever. But it's just really interesting to read the stuff that was written right when it's happening and like the reactions both good and bad to like what was happening yeah. um so it's real fun that reminds me i kind of went down a rabbit
0: hole on ebay one day and i was like don't i'm not gonna do it but, <laughs> but just buying like old downbeat magazines do you know doing I mean? oh. like, just the old jazz because like how fun would that be and imagine all the right. cool stuff you would find like that people probably forgot about completely, you know, just right, 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 all in reviews and things. Oh, it'd be yeah. so great! But I'm not, I'm not gonna do it, not gonna do it, don't, <laughs> don't let me do it, not gonna do it. I'm gonna do it.
1: Uh, and then finally, um, The Blue Note Years by Francis Wolf, who is one of the founders of Blue Note. Um, he this is his, his a book of his photography, oh, which, very cool. Um, which you you know, because you've seen all the blue nut covers, or you've yeah. seen all of these things, and all these documentaries we've mentioned—they, all these pictures show up. So, like, it's all that photography. Like, he was just that good. It's featured heavily in that Lee Morgan <laughs> documentary. Yeah. Like, he was just documenting every every session. Basically, he's just in there, just snapping pictures. Some of them in color, some of them not. Um. But you know the style. If you like music at all, you've seen it. Even if you don't, you've seen the style of the photo. Um, it is just such a fun book to just like flip through. It's like coffee table book. You just like go through it, and you're just like, oh my, my god. Like if I could ever, <laughs> if I could ever make records all day, I would just want this guy to like be taking the pictures that you put the cover because <laughs> they're right. just they're just so iconic. Like the images is just great. So it's not even like a, I mean, it is a history lesson, but not, you don't have to read anything. You just like, look at it and you're just like, wow. But they do give you like, here's what was happening here. And these guys are playing and like the guy that, you know, is in the shadow is like Rudy Van Gelder or whatever. And that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's a good way to see a lot of the places and people that, always get mentioned in all these books and all these docs that maybe you don't always get to see like the yeah. side men who don't get the spotlight. So sure. That's good. I think that's it. Look at us. I think we just jazzed it up.
0: Oh man. We are, we are jazzed. We're blowing wow. bro. <laughs> This and, and we never once mentioned Kamazi Washington
1: <laughs> or khan <Sinead O'Connor.
0: laughs> Yeah, that's true. We got that one. It's <laughs> still um, <laughs> yeah. Or Bernie Hancock actually played the Ryman about a month ago, and I, I, it was a Sunday night, and it was just one of those like, Ugh, I just can't make it. And of right. course, I regret not going. But um, yeah. Um, I'd love to just be like, I'm at that point now where I'm like, it'd be cool to see more jazz, <laughs> which is just means right. I'm just, <laughs> you know, my AARP card will arrive any day. But
1: uh, <laughs> well, I, don't know. And, I mean,
0: I just think a lot of that stuff's really great, fun to watch, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, being here uh, in Durham with Duke and their arts program, they do a thing every year, Duke performances, um, and they bring through crazy people i mean so many so many of these it's another thing like so much of this the history of jazz is tied in some weird way to north carolina yeah. like coltrane's born here but the, not just coltrane like so many of these cats were like born in or near here and like then went to new york or chicago or wherever they went philadelphia and uh yeah and uh so like a lot of these a lot of the still living legends will kind of come through. And uh, we got to go see uh, Bill Frizzell play with uh, Charles Lloyd uh, and Marvell's. And like, yeah, it's just like he, I mean, Bill Frizel's always been like probably my favorite guitarist ever. Yeah. But I'd I'd like to watch him do that as like a yeah. sideman was really interesting. And then we went to New York, we got married. Uh, he, was playing at the village vanguard just like out of the blue and so like we just we're like let's try and go and then we totally got to sit there and watch this dude play at the village vanguard he has a
0: documentary too um on amazon i think that we watched it's pretty interesting yeah and a new album coming up yes he does
1: uh, he going, always
0: man. if you're a Bill for Tell fan, always scan C D sections, man, because yes. they just you can find them and they will never let you down. He put out a record not too long ago called Big Sur. Yep. And like the first song is just amazing. I played it on a radio show one time, and like I, somebody sent me a text like, What is this? I'm like, I know it's so good. It's Bill for Self. it's called Big Sir. Yep. Um, and then that that got me in the door, and then it's just so much material from there. It's so so great. So yeah. Uh, highly recommend that as
1: well. So I guess the I guess to sum sum up some of what we said because I feel like we were kind of starting to do it just then uh yeah. whether we knew it or not. Jazz is not impenetrable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, although it agree. seems like it is, it's not. And it's actually kind, it's much e- easier to get into than you may think for those yeah. who haven't and it's definitely worth you know checking out. I know that there's like 18 billion forums that will tell you like what the right vinyl pressing of every record is to get and they all have a different right one. Um some of these new like reissues that are coming out are not terrible. Yeah, no. sounding and yeah. you can get them for cheap. Like yeah. I mean you can get them for like you know 15 but 13 to 15 bucks on like Amazon, so it's an easy way to start and like i said if you're feeling really adventurous all the 70s stuff is super cheap yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. especially album covers with hot dogs on them yes <laughs> <laughs> or footballs as my son that's likes true. to say yeah. Played a football one does- <laughs> <laughs> that's great i love that
0: <laughs> all right well we have uh i always think that we're gonna go shorter than we did the last one and then we we keep keep going longer but so we we tried to pack a lot into this one i always i we never did, think it's going to be that much when i'm like oh here's kind of what we should talk about it we'll blow through this and then right and then and then, and then we and then we get started and uh, next thing you know it's like an hour and a half later <laughs> oops <laughs> whoops sorry, sorry ma. ma sorry ma all right so after this we'll, i'll email you and figure out what we're going to talk about next week how does that sound that
1: sounds great brother <laughs> all right man
0: Bye. Bye. Yep. Bye.
1: Bye.